Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Praise God. John chapter 4, and we're going to pick up in verse 43, verse 43, and right through to 54. Verse 43 says this, after, say after, after the two days he left for Galilee. Now, I'm going to move on in just a second. But he says after the two days he left for Galilee. And I want to know when I read this what these two days are about. John chapter 4 is actually one of my favorite scriptures on the story of the woman at the well. And so what we've just read there in verse 43 alone is describing two days where Jesus has just left somewhere. And if you were to backtrack before that, you'll discover that the two days it's referring to is the two days that Jesus was asked to stay in Samaria because of what happened with the woman at the well. In other words, Jesus, um, he ministers to the woman at the well, he meets her, has this amazing encounter with her, reveals things that cause her to, we know the story, leave a jar at the well and run down to the town and uh, meet the rest of the town. And then she says, come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. And it's an amazing story because it's one I used to share about the prophetic. It's one I, I used to talk on the fact that God loves to meet us and speak right into the depths of our heart, understanding where we're at. And can I just say that God knows your heart now. He knows the numbers of hairs on your head. He knows every detail about your life. He's not forgotten about you. And, uh, and I love this story that she runs to the town and then causes this revival to take place in, to the point where these people leave the town. They go to find Jesus. You can imagine that, kind of, the whole town running to find him. And then the response to that is they say, will you stay here two days? When God does something special, people want him to stay and they don't want to leave. And um, this is not what I'm going to preach on today. But I want to get you the, the flavor of what was happening because it says there that he, he decides to stay. Jesus had no plans. He'd not booked a premier in. He'd not got the stay to stay another two days. But they said, we so want you to stay here. And, and, and you can imagine the atmosphere, the eruption in a place where actually... He wasn't really expected to go. The disciples didn't even want to speak to the woman. So it's interesting. The disciples have no interest in speaking to this woman. In fact, it says when they came back to him at the well, they were surprised to see him talking to a woman. So you got Jesus two days in revival atmosphere. Holy Spirit's moving. People are, he's prophesying to one person, maybe prophesying to another. And then they say two, say two days here. But then what we see is that he decides to move on. Verse 44 says, and just check this out, the next thing that it says. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. He's now heading for Galilee. So he's leaving revival for Galilee. Verse 45, when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. 
Verse 46, once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick in Capernaum, which is not Galilee. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Jesus said, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Verse 50, go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. And while he was still on his way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. There is power in words that come from the mouth of Jesus. Amen. So he and all his, his whole household believed this was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. I'm going to have to have a drink of water because my voice is going. <clears throat> it was such amazing worship. My voice is gone. Hallelujah. The title of this message this morning is The Royal Visit. The Royal Visit. Can I say to you that I believe that Jesus Christ, the King of all kings, wants to move in this house more than you probably expect. He wants to visit this place. We talked this morning about the suddenly of a mighty rushing wind when the Holy Spirit comes, when they were all in one place in unity. Let me tell you something. You think we're in a good season. We've got to press in for the next season when the King of all kings will move in this place like you've never seen before. You see, the story we've just read is talking about a royal official who is on his way from Capernaum, which is about 20, 25 miles away from Cana in Galilee. He's setting off to meet Jesus because he hears that he's heading towards Galilee. I find it so interesting because when I read this story, I wondered why would Jesus want to leave a place that is in revival to a place where the next sentence he says, he says, I'm going to go to a place now and I'm going to remind you, the place where I'm going, I'm without honor. Wow. Why is it that Jesus, I thought, would leave two days of revival atmosphere? The Holy Spirit is moving. God is moving in that place of people hungry, wanting him to stay. But then he moves from that place to a place where he's without honor. And I I looked at this and I thought, it doesn't seem logical. Because for me, Jesus always responds to hunger and thirst. So if I look at this, the logic is wrong. Because this is not a usual scenario. Jesus would not leave someone who is hungry and thirsty for him to someone who doesn't really care about him. And then I read between the lines. And I saw something that I would not seen before. And I saw that actually what was happening at this time 
is that right at this moment when Jesus decides to leave this revival atmosphere, the king of all kings, the royal visitor that no one really understood was coming to Galilee, that actually at the same time there was another royal official that was on his way to meet with Jesus. Two royal people about to meet. You see, I realized that when I thought that Jesus was going back to probably talk them round into believing in him, he was heading for a place where he knew another man was coming who was hungry and thirsty to meet with him. You see, Jesus will leave the 99 for the one. He'll leave the crowd for the one. And so he's right there in the midst of hunger and thirst. And this man told me everything I ever did. And the revival's kicking off. And he says, I've got to leave. Why you got to leave? Why are you going to Galilee? No one really likes you there. Well, I'm going because I know in my heart there is a man who is on his way. He's a royal official. In fact, he's, everything about him says that he shouldn't want to bow down to me. But he's on his way and I'm going to meet him. This story is about two royal officials, the king of all kings and another royal person. You see, Jesus is not attracted to multitudes. He's attracted to attitudes. If you look at the scriptures, the multitudes followed Jesus. They went after him. He never looked for a crowd. He didn't go around saying, I need a crowd before I can minister. He met the woman at the well and then a crowd appeared. That's the way he works. If you look around today in some of the Western church, people won't minister until they got a crowd. People won't minister until they got a multitude. But God is looking today for the attitude of our hearts towards him. And he's more interested in your attitude than a multitude. He's more interested today than whether or not King's Church has two services with 200 people strong in. He's looking for a few individuals that are prepared to walk the 20, 25 miles to find him and meet with him. You see, everyone benefits in in, in Cana and Galilee. They benefit when they're around that. But sometimes God is looking. Some of the people thinking, oh, Jesus wants to come here. This is his hometown. No, he's coming to meet with the person. He responds to hunger. He responds to thirst. That's why he just met a woman at the well. Who was thirsty. He talked to her about thirst. Now he was looking for this man who was hungry to meet with him. You know, just a few weeks ago, we looked at the heart. And one of the things I felt is that if we want to be a church that um, receives the new wine individuals, then our hearts need to be right. But can I just say that when your heart is changed, your attitude should change. If your heart is changed, then your attitude. That's why you, you talk to someone, you listen to their attitude and the things that they're saying, you really know their heart. You see, you can't analyze the heart. This is one of the things I said before. You need the the heart surgeon, the one who knows the motives of the heart. But one thing you do know is you can see a person's heart by their attitude. So it comes to the surface. Proverbs 27, 19 says this is water reflects the face. So one's life, in other words, their character, so one's life reflects the heart. In other words, God is looking in this next season for changed hearts. With changed attitudes. An attitude that is hungry and thirsty 
for him. And I believe God wants to move in this place in a special way. You know, years ago I used to work, when I worked in the company I worked for, uh, in, in a design agency. One of, the, one of the things we received once was a Queen's Award. We received an official, we did it over several years, but this one particular year they gave me the job of designing the case that held this glass vase that said the Queen's Award on it. And I had to, they spent thousands of pounds. I designed the whole thing. I designed how it looked. I designed how the, the size of the glass, the thickness, everything with the engineers to make sure this thing looked royal, official, because they were going to send a, an official from Buckingham Palace to us to commemorate this day. And so it was special for me to, to design this thing and then to stand there on the day and be part of that. It's interesting that leading up to that, it was sat in the marketing department, this glass vase, and people used to just throw sweets in it. and just. But when the royal official came, there it was, sat in a thousand pound glass box, looking like we had a lot of pride in it. Everyone's standing there in their suits, waiting for him to arrive, looking as smart as you can be. And what I realized is sometimes is that some of us in our lives, we, we come and we, we welcome God, but we don't really honor him. We welcome him on the outside, but we don't truly honor him with our lives. The first thing I want to say today is that God is looking for an attitude of extravagant honor. Extravagant honor. Verse 45 says this. When he arrived, Jesus, in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. Now get this. They welcomed Jesus. This is the same crowd that Jesus just said, don't really honor him. They welcomed him, and this is why they welcomed him, because they were in Jerusalem, it says, and they saw what he'd done at the Passover. So they saw the things he'd been doing, therefore they welcomed him. Some of us sometimes welcome him on the outside. We welcome him based on the things we've seen him do, but our hearts and our our lives don't truly honor him. And honor is required of God to see him move in our lives. Something special about honoring God. Verse 46 says, once more he visited Cana and Galilee. So what happens is, he goes to Galilee, then it gets a bit more focused. He goes to Cana. Now everyone knows what happened in Cana. And even this story mentions that miracle. He went now to Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And then it says, there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick in Capernaum. You see, what's happening here is Jesus is returning back to a place where he did a miracle of turning water into wine. It even gets a mention. And can I just say this? Some of us sometimes, what happens in our lives is, we get complacent with what God does. They, they were almost like, you can imagine, he arrives back and they're wearing the t-shirt. This is the place, this is the shrine where the water turned to wine. This is the place where Jesus did the, the amazing miracle. We're all wearing the t-shirt and he's returning home. But some of us sometimes, we're glorifying God in the past at what he did. We're saying, oh, I remember what you did in the past. And he's saying, I want you to be hungry for me for what I'm going to do in the future. Stop talking about the the changing of the water into wine. 
I'm not just the God who changes water into wine. I'm the God who wants to turn your life around and do something amazing with it. And some of us sometimes, we welcome Jesus in our services, in our lives. But actually what we're doing is we're just saying, you know, we we welcome him on the outside, but not on the inside. Jesus is doing a revisit. Have you ever seen those home improvement programs? I love the home improvement programs where they get someone in. They totally change the house around. And I never do this. I, I think I'd be in a lot of trouble if I did. My wife went away and then someone comes in and changes the whole color, changes it to purple or whatever and comes back. The whole house has completely changed. But I always like, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I like to see when they've done something, I, you can always tell on their faces when they walk in whether they really do like it. And you can see when the, the designers have spent so long in, in doing a design, they said, do you like this, this garish color on the wall? And they just stand there and go, it's quite nice, yeah. And they've been spending hours running around, people drilling and getting it all ready for when the moment they walk in. Yeah, it's fine. And you, you kind of know inside that when they've left, they're going to change it back again. And you see what, what Jesus is doing here is, it's called for me, Cana Revisited. He says, I'm coming back to see what your hearts are like. I've done a miracle in your midst. You're wearing the t-shirt, yeah. But I want to know, what are you like? And some of us sometimes, what we do is we welcome God in. We let him do something in our lives. But when he's gone, we change everything back to normal. And actually, we're not really welcoming him. And he comes back into this place. And he's left a revival atmosphere. And he sees these people and he's saying, are you still hungry for me? Cana revisited. I love the revisit programs when they walk in and say, well, it's all back to normal. You didn't change it then or you've put the wall back in. Some of us are like that. You come one week, you say that you're serving God, you're going to do one thing. Next week, within one week, you've changed the walls around again. You've changed it all back. God wants you to honor him and honor means you honor him with everything in your life. Hallelujah. I've put here, the greater our complacency, the lesser our expectancy. When we get complacent with the miracles that God does, the things that he's doing in our midst, we get a complacent attitude. And we miss out on what God wants to do with us. He's always got more to give. You see, what happens is he arrives there in Cana, and then the spotlight changes. Have you ever seen in the theater when all of a sudden... Someone comes on, a new actor just walks onto the stage and someone at the back just turns the spotlight and all of a sudden you see this spotlight appear onto another person on the stage and you realize that it's so dark in there, you realize that the person at the back's telling you, you've got to look in this direction. And what happens in this story is something significant because Jesus is in the midst of those who don't give him honor. Then all of a sudden, the spotlight shifts. It moves on to this man, this father, this royal official who's just walked 25 miles from Capernaum because he wants to see a miracle for his son he's left behind. And what happens is all of this story is not about Cana and Galilee. It's not about just revisiting back to, to that place. It's about the royal official. The spotlight shifts. It shifts onto one individual. Can I say that God will move in this house if one person prays it in? And you will ride the wave of it. But let me say to you, he's calling everyone, every one of us to desire him.
every one of us to want what he has for us. You see this royal official, I love this, because the royal official comes and the royal official is the one who should really expect the honor from Jesus. He arrives, he's walked 25 miles, you'd think he'd want, he'd want everything done for him. And he arrives in this place, you'd think he'd want respect and honor from the people. But he arrives after 20, 25 mile walk and he puts everything aside to honor the one in front of him. Some of us today, we've got positions, jobs, achievements. We think that in our pride, we can't drop our pride to honor God with everything. We can't give him everything. We can't honor him with everything. Listen, I really want to drill this in today because honoring God, and that means, what does that mean for you sometimes? Honoring God means getting here on time. It went quiet. He went quite, listen, when, I, when the royal official was coming to see my glass vase in the box, in the workplace, we had to be there very early in the morning, very smart and ready, probably an hour before he arrived, just to make sure that everything was right. I'm amazed sometimes that in church, we rock up 30 minutes in, 20 minutes into worship. Worship leaders have been preparing through the week. Listen, I'm not telling you off this morning. I'm saying when you honor God, you'll see God move. It will catch his eye. Some of us think he doesn't see us. If, if no one's seen me walking late, well, that's not a problem. Listen, when you're here and we can start a meeting off erupting in praise and worship because we honor God, not honor the worship team, but honor God first. If you honor God, you'll honor everything else. I'm telling you because, listen, God is looking in this next season. For, we, we heard it from Jared Cooper just recently. A shift from adolescence to adulthood. If you want to move to adulthood, you've got to start honoring God with everything. You've got to honor, honor Him with everything in your life. That also means sometimes our giving. Proverbs 3 verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Wow. I love that. Some of us are saying, oh no, he, he turned water into wine. He's the miracle worker. He just does it for us. I don't have to give anything. I just follow him. I don't give anything of what I've got. Listen, some of us can get into this attitude that I'm going to attend church and not give. I'm going to attend church because I serve the man who came to Cana who changes water into wine and I don't have to give anything, just do what he says. But listen, if you want to see God overflow your vats with wine, you want to see the blessing and abundance of God, then we have to learn to give and honor him with our wealth. Someone once said to me, how do you think we should give? Listen, I don't think we should put these rules and legal, uh, legal kind of terms on 10%. Listen, 10% is probably not enough. That's just, we use that as a simple illustration. But you should give with all your heart. Give. Do you know someone, when I, when I got saved and I started coming to church, no one ever told me to give. I just wanted to give. I wanted to give. Someone, when you should, I'd sit down with people, they'd say... How much do you think you really need to give to God? You know, I get my wage check and, and, and I want to honor God with the first fruits like it says. 
do, do you give after tax or before tax? It's a big debate these days. Do you know what I say? The first fruits of what you receive. If the taxman gets hold of his percentage before you do, then if God gets that after, then he is not getting as much. You see, for me, my view has always been, this is my own personal view, we give our first fruits. Whatever comes in. Listen, you're probably thinking today, oh, he's talking about money. You'll know me. I don't speak about money much at all. But when you honor God with your wealth, and I've learned this over my life. My mum used to say it to me when I was younger. She'd say, you can't outgive God. It's true. You can't outgive him. You give, he'll give to you. He'll bless you abundantly. And I'm encouraging you today that sometimes the enemy will use these things to say, I'm holding on to what I've got because I don't want to give to this. I'm going to give to what I want to give to. Listen, when we're in the house of God and we're part of this church, we need to give in to what God is doing. If we want to see it grow, we want to see the blessing in abundance, we've got to give into what God is doing. Honor him with your wealth. Then your vats will brim over with new wine. You see, honor will release an overflow of blessing. And the royal official comes and he went to Jesus and he begged him. He begged him to come. I mean, I picture that and I think, that's real true honor. To be on your knees as a royal official and beg Jesus. Some of us sometimes need to come with an attitude of honor and be on our knees before him. Be on our knees before him in honor. The next thing is we need extravagant humility. Not just honor to God, but extravagant humility. If we want to see the visit of God to move in this house, we need to become humble before him. Honor him and be humble. You know, it's sometimes so difficult to let go of our pride, isn't it? But James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. He shows favor to the humble. John 4, 49 says, the royal official said, Sir, come down before my child has. He calls him Sir. He calls Jesus Sir. He has every right to not use that terminology. You know, I'm the royal official. I'm the one who's walked this way. And I'm going to call you Sir. Some of us need to humbly Come like a child before God. Humbly again, come before him with our attitudes. Why do I say this? Because our attitudes will shift God's attention. Your attitude has the power to shift God's attention. I went to a conference early this year and I was asked, they contacted me and they said, when you go, will you, be the, will you look after one of the speakers? And I said, yeah, I'm happy to do that. And so I arrive at the conference and I check in. My job is to look after this person, take them into the green room. If, you, if you've ever been in a green room and you wonder, if you've never been in one, they are not green. I was looking for things to be green. I was looking to, to kind of walk through green trees and there's nothing green in there. I don't know why it's called a green room. If anyone knows, please tell me. And I arrive at this conference and, and, and I went with the team and I went up to the check-in desk and they gave me my band. And I soon realized afterwards, because they said, we're going to give you a secret code as well that gets you into the green room. You know, I felt so important. i got to admit, I thought, wow. You know, I've gone up another level here. I've got the code. 
Do you want the code? I'm not going to tell you. Tell them a fake code and watch them put it in and not get in the green room. So much fun, so much power. And so I'm wandering around and then I realized, I realized that the guys had got a different, uh, the same wristband as me. I thought, why is it I've got the same color? And then I went back to them and they said, ah, we sorry we forgot to give you. You need the, you need the priority access band. <laughs> I thought, oh, come on. That, what color is that? That's red. They've got green. The peasants have got green. You've got red. Come on, give me the red. Have you ever seen, you know, when you, you know, when you go to a conference and you're wandering around, you're wondering, why did they get silver? Why is theirs gold? Mine's just green. You know, that kind of, it's like hierarchy, isn't it? They must be more special than me. And so I got my red band and I started putting the code in. I walked in. I felt so out of place. I walked in there. They were free, there was free food, nuts. Boy, they've got everything they need in there. I had to buy my dinner the previous year. I had to buy some chips from the chip van. This year, I got everything on tap. It's like as much coffee as you want. So I walk in and, yeah, these guys don't know what I had, the luxuries. I walked in there and I felt so out of place because I realized I, I'm not really supposed to be. I'm just looking after someone, but I'm going to act like I'm, I'm someone important. Just grabbed a nut. Sit, I sat down on the sofa, put my feet up. People thinking, who's he? He must be important. I just said, do you know who I am? <laughs> no. I'm just a guy with a red band. And, and, and I sat there and, I, and I'm hanging around with these people. I'm thinking, it's fantastic being up here. But, and I realized the priority access gave me something. And, and, and the reality is this, that the, this royal official had priority access. When he arrives in Cana amongst these people, he has the ability to say, I'm a royal official. I'm a royal official. You, you need to do what I, I'm, I'm going to tell you to do, Jesus. But he doesn't, and he comes with humility. Can I, can I just say to you, humility will give you more access than priority. Some of us need to put on our humility bands because humility will give you more access than priority. He didn't exercise his priority. He exercised his humility and humility gained his attention of Jesus. It took the attention to him. He said, sir, not, hey, I'm the man from Capernaum with the priority access. I've got the band. I'm I'm on the red band team, Jesus. No, he said, Sir, please, please come. Please. My son's dying. Some of us don't get on our knees sometimes in humility. We come with an attitude of a priority access like we deserve our miracle. (laughs) We come saying, God... I'm not going to go until you bless me because I deserve to be blessed. I deserve this, God. I deserve it. When we drop the attitude of whether we deserve it and we get on our knees and say, Jesus, I come to you. I put aside all of my achievements, everything I think I am. And I come before you and I come with my greatest need. And said, Jesus, will you come back with me? It catches attention. It catches attention. You see, the woman 
with the issue of blood, who is pressing through the crowd. I used to think this story, she would be pressing through the crowd to get to Jesus. And I used to think that everyone must have seen this and she was creating this massive commotion to get to him. But actually, if you read the text, it says that she tried with all her efforts to go unnoticed. She must have been crawling around on the floor, weaving in and out of people. I don't know if you've noticed that before. She tries with her efforts to go unnoticed. But what happens when you try to go unnoticed with Jesus? You get noticed. If you go unnoticed, you get noticed. If you try and go unnoticed, like, I'm the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus. Twelve years I've been in pain. You better come back here. You deserve to heal me. I've gone 12 years through this struggle. I've been praying every day. Come back. You've got to heal me. No. It says she goes unnoticed. Crawling along the floor. To the point where Jesus says, who touched me? Who was it? Well, there's lots of people pressing against you. The one who goes unnoticed gets noticed. Get that in your spirit today. When you come with a humble attitude to church in everything in your life, if you do things unnoticed, what you do in the private will be rewarded in the public. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, it deserves one clap. Humility gets access that priority can't. Let me tell you, I'm giving you the secret code today. You're getting the secret code. I'm telling you the code. The code's humility. Oh no, the devil will tell you it's priority. The devil will tell you this is the code. This is the way to see God move in your life. This is the way. Priority, priority. I deserve to have a role. I deserve to have this. I deserve to have that. I deserve to see my healing. I deserve to see this blessing come. No, the key password is humility. It will give you what priority can't let get this right he gets he gets there and he says come sir please my child's dying 20 have you walked 20 miles before you walk from here to ely i know some of the women did for the wow walk once it was about 15 20 miles it's a long walk on some dusty roads and he gets to jesus and in all his ability to drop his pride And come humbly before Jesus, the King of Kings. A royal official meeting another royal. What happens? You see, I was a a bit disappointed for the guy. Because when I read it, I realized the next thing Jesus said is he didn't say, Oh, I'm so glad for your humility. Let me pray for you now. And come on. In fact, actually, I'll come back to your house with you. Because that's what he says. He says, Will you come back with me? So the request from the royal official was for Jesus to walk back the 25 miles with him. How many of you know Jesus? He, he wasn't up for a walk that day. He's like, 25 miles? You've walked 25 miles? Well, I, I don't need to because I can just speak a word. I'll save my legs, thanks. And so he, he says to him this. He, turn, he asks him a request. 25 miles. Humble man. Honors Jesus. And this is what Jesus replies. Go. What? Go, in my northern accent, go, go. Are you joking? I've just walked 25 miles to meet you. 
I'm asking you to come back. I'm a royal, I'm, I'm priority access. I'm a royal official. These guys don't even like you. You've even said that yourself. They don't honor you. Come on, come back to my home. You can, you can heal my son. Walk back with me. Listen, it must have been a long walk there to go back on your own as well. Go, he says. Go. Your son will live. Wow. He doesn't say that then he said, Jesus, I ain't going back on my own. I've just walked 25 miles. That's 50 mile walk you want me to do on my own. I've 20, 25 miles I've just walked here praying all the way that I'm going to actually get to meet you. And when I get there, you just tell me to turn around and go back. And all I've got is a word. Some of you have been to them prophetic conferences. You got a word and still not enough. Still not enough. What does he do? He says, the man took Jesus at his word and departed. That's humility, people. That's not exercising priority. That's exercising humility. That's saying, I've just done 25 miles walking. And if you say it, I know who you are. I recognize you're greater than me. I'm going to do whatever you say. And I'm going to turn around. I'm going to take that word you've given me. And I'm going to walk back these 25 miles with that word. Listen to me, people. God is giving you words today of promise in your heart. That he will respond to you. He will deal with your problem. He will respond to that difficulty in your life. He just walked 20 miles and told to go. You see, I put here to walk in humility is to value God's direction at the expense of our earthly reputation. In other words... Everyone looked at him and thought, what's he going to do? Is he going to ask, tell Jesus and demand he should come back as a royal official? But he turned and he went back. Let me tell you, humility will get access that priority cannot. Hallelujah. Extravagant hope is the last one I want to look at today. We need extravagant honor, humility, and hope. Who needs a bit of hope? Come on. We all like hope. God gives hope. Do you know that? In the darkest of circumstances, one of the songs we sung earlier was Through It All. Through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, my eyes are on you. I really felt that the Lord just said to me, that song is for today. It's to speak into hearts because there are people here today who are going through it all. But my eyes need to be on him. I need hope today. I don't know about you. But we need hope. Hope in our saviour. Hope in the one who goes before us. You see it was a long walk there. But let me tell you. It's a long walk back if you didn't get what you thought you were going to get. It's a long 20 mile there. But if you've got a walk. Have you ever been somewhere and you've queued? You get to the front of the queue and they tell you it's, we're shutting now. I mean, I've done it a few times. I've been, I've been with the kids on holiday looking at some amazing slides and rides at water parks. Queued all the way up in the blazing sun. 
get to the front and say, we're shooting the ride now. You feel good inside. I've just queued. I deserve this. He gets there, gets, doesn't get what he thought he was going to get. So the 20 miles back's a lot harder. In fact, when you walk back, all you're thinking is all the way back is, is that word really true? Did, will this really work? Will my son really live? Will my situation change? Will my marriage be restored? Will my finances be okay? Will everything be okay when I walk back? Because he said it, will it happen? Will it happen? I can't imagine this is going to take place. That's when the devil comes in. And he says to you, it ain't happening. Don't trust that word. You went and you should have had, you had every right to be dealt with there. And he should have come back with you. How can you trust in, in a God who wouldn't even be prepared to walk with you? How can you trust in that Jesus man who didn't follow you and walk with you back? He should be right beside you on this walk. Where is he now? We, we got them voice. Where is he now? Yeah, but I, he said it. He said it. I walked there and he told me, your son's going to live. I know it's true. Yeah, but where is he? If he cared about you, you'd feel him right now. You would see him next to you right now. You can't see him, can you? Some of you right now are walking back your 25 miles and it's a lot harder because you got so far in prayer and God said something, a promise to you. He spoke into you. Your spirit resonated with it. You believed for the breakthrough you wanted. But then he said, you've got to trust me now. You've got to trust me now, son. You've got to trust me now, daughter. You've got to walk back with this word. And you're going to walk back through that valley. And yet it's going to feel like the valley of the shadow of death. You're going to hold on to that word all the way through. And 25 miles is going to feel like 100. But I'm telling you, my word does not lose power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 51 says this. While... While he was still on the way. While he was still on the way. His servants met him with the news that his boy was living. Listen to me people. While you are still on the way. What does that mean for you? While I'm still praying, while I'm still giving, while I'm still serving, while I'm still believing, I'm still doing this Jesus. I'm still doing that Jesus. While I'm still, still, still on the way. I haven't seen my breakthrough yet. But I'm still doing it. I'm still believing. I'm still trusting. I'm still believing this breakthrough. Can I say that while you're saying I'm still Lord. I'm still Lord. He says I told you I will. I will do this for you. Stop saying I'm still. And start saying he will. He will. He will do this. He said he was going to do it. He said that I'll see my breakthrough. I'm still doing this. I'm still doing that, Lord. While he was still on the way. What's your way like today? What's your way like? What's the route back like? 
What's the route back from the last time you felt God give you a promise? What's the, the route back could be a lot more difficult. You might say, my way is too hard, Phil. I'm finding it way too hard. I, I, I kind of believe in that. Listen, I'm just coming today to remind you, God is he's, he's now beginning to restore that word. Because some of you have got 10 miles back and you're saying, this is not happening. It's not happening. But then let me tell you, some good news comes. Amen? Who likes a bit of good news? Every morning I get on my phone and I go onto a, a BBC news app and I open up the app to see and they start this new little feature that says, here's what you need to know today. I like it because it filters out what it thinks I need to know. I mean, a lot of the things I'm not interested in. There's that much news these days and there's that much bad news these days. And, it, and I open up the app and it, it now stops me from having to scroll and read everything. It just says, here's what we feel you need to know today. Some of us, we don't like bad news. But let me tell you, God brings in this story good news. You see, he sees the servant running. Coming towards him to meet him. He meets him on this journey back. He comes to meet him with what? With news. Let me tell you, God all along had healed his son right from the moment. He says at one o'clock he healed him. So when he was walking back, he was walking back trusting, but the thing had already been dealt with. When Jesus spoke with him there, it had already been dealt with. So he sets off walking back, and the other person runs to meet him. He comes and gives him the news. He's not dead. Can I just say When you're walking through your trial, do you know what happens sometimes? What do we always do? We assume the worst if we see someone coming to us. He sees this person. The first thing we do is we assume the worst. We give up on God. You see, he probably thought, this is what I think in my mind. He saw the man coming towards him to give him the good news. He probably thought, that's it. He's come to tell me he's dead. We always assume the worst. The worst for it. And this is, what, this is what the enemy wants you to do. When you see that, the, the, the promise, the good news is on, on its way to you. There's a glimmer of hope for you. It's for you to give up on God before you get the news. It's to actually say, this isn't good news. It's got to be bad news because for him, he's going to die. He's going to die. Have you ever looked at the Luke chapter 15 with the prodigal son? The prodigal son, it talks about the father... Looking and waiting and seeing him far off, doesn't it? Have you ever thought about, it never says anything about the son seeing the father away off. It says that the father saw the son. But let me tell you, if the father could see the son, the son will see the father eventually. So when the son is coming back and he's in all his, his disgust of what he's done, the sin in his life, the things he's let his father down with, and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back home. We, we sung about it today. I'm not a slave to fear. I'm going to go back home. And if I'm just a slave, that'll be better than living in this pigsty. So he returns home and you've got two people meeting, just like that story of the royal official. You've got two people about to meet. And on his way back, he sees his father waiting for him. But let me tell you, all he did was he's assumed the worst. I'm just going to be a slave. What he didn't realize is that in the heart of the father was good news. 
In the heart of the father was news to say, I've got a robe ready for you. I've got a ring ready for you. I've got sandals ready for you. I've got good news, son. The devil will try to make you assume the worst. My mum used to say to me, never ring me in the night, Phil. It scares me. She said, don't phone me in the night. If you phone me in the night, I think it's bad news. I had to phone her when my children were born in the middle of the night. She says, everything okay? Yeah, the, the children are born, mum. It's good news. I had to do it on this occasion. Don't ring me at night time, Phil. Wait till the morning. No, I couldn't wait on this occasion, mum. You told me to let you know first. I can't disobey my mum. Some of us assume the, word, the devil is getting you right now. You're 10 miles in. 10 miles in. You got the word. You got the promise. The walk's harder. You see someone coming. And right now there's a glimmer of hope and he's saying, give up on it. Give up on it. That's bad news. You can't trust in your God. He wouldn't even walk with you. Let me tell you today. Good news is on its way to you. You say, I'm still doing this. I'm still doing this, Lord. I'm still doing this. He says, I will do it. I will do it. An attitude of hope, real extravagant hope, will attract God. It will attract God. When we give up on hope, it won't attract him. He's attracted to faith, extravagant faith. And we as a church need to be ready to have extravagant honor towards him in everything we do. Coming before him, humbly before him. And also with an attitude of extravagant faith and hope. Those who hope in him will never be put to shame, the Bible says. Those who put their trust in him will never be put to shame. Hallelujah. You see, when he's walking back that official, I can imagine him saying this. And I believe this is a word for some of you today. I failed my family. I failed my family and my friends. I failed my son, my daughter. You see, I looked at this story and I realized something. In the midst of his child dying, what does he do? He leaves an unbelieving household to follow to find Jesus. He makes Jesus the priority over his unbelieving household. So he leaves and says, I'm going on a 50 mile hike. You can imagine the family saying, are you crazy? Your child is about to die. If you leave on a 50 mile hike, you might not see your child again. Are you crazy? These people, remember, don't believe yet. So when he leaves and he puts all of his hope, some of us say all your eggs in one basket. He puts all his hope in Jesus, the one who's arriving at Cana, the one who turns water into wine, the one who I honor, the one who I want to see because I know he can change my situation. And the family is saying to him, you put Jesus first. If you go, you're going to miss it. He's going to die. Some of you right now, 
You feel like you're on your way back on the journey. You've trusted God over family members. You've been praying for them. You've been praying hard for breakthrough. You've been praying for friends. You've been praying for major breakthrough. You trusted him. You put your family on the line for Jesus. You're walking back. You see that servant running and you got this feeling inside. I shouldn't have done what I've done. I shouldn't have put Jesus before them. Bad news is coming. But listen to me. Those who put their trust in him will never be put to shame. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, there's a truth. And the word of God is true over our lives today. That when we put our trust in him and we put everything we have in him, that when he gets back, of all the voices that could have spoke to him, he gets back and they must have said, I'm so glad you went. Who is this Jesus? Well, let me tell you something. Can I ask you a question, house? What time did this happen? Well, it was one o'clock yesterday. We, you know, we, we, were just, we just saw him start to recover. One o'clock, eh? That's exactly the time that Jesus said it. Because I looked at my watch house and it was the same time as what happened here. What happened next was as the whole household believed. Listen to me church. If you are putting your family on the line, if you're putting your household on the line for Jesus Christ, you make him number one in your life. You honor him. You come before him with humility. You don't try to fix it all yourself. Listen to me what will happen. He will take care of them. He will. Because he loves them. He loves them. So if you're saying today, I've made a mistake. The devil's trying to tell you now, you shouldn't have done what you've done. You should have been there for them when they needed you. You should have been there for your son or your daughter when they needed you. Listen, God, if you put him first, if you make that foundation first, he will take care of them. Now that doesn't mean we have to abandon them. Because we take care of what God gives us. But sometimes when we take steps of faith, And we leave them, trusting that God will help them. He honors that. i got news for you today. If you're thinking inside that you've let your family down, I want you to know today that Jesus will not put you to shame. You see, the father set his eye to pursue Jesus. And the king of kings pursued his family. He's pursuing your family. There's people today, you've got unsaved people in your family. God is saying to you today, if you're giving everything to me, you may be in a relationship where you're finding it hard because your partner is now saying they don't want, I just sense that for someone here today. There is someone. You found it even this morning, it's a problem for you to be in church. You're here for me to tell you right now. Someone is even putting that tension on you. And you said, I'm going because I'm putting Jesus first. Listen to me. When you put Jesus first, he will honor you. The king of kings will pursue your family. That's what he did. And I realized something. That Jesus didn't walk back with him because he wanted to do something in his family. 
You see, when you think Jesus is doing it in the way that you don't want him to do it, he's doing it in a way to do something that you didn't expect. You see, I, I, yeah, but Jesus, if it had been my way, you'd have walked back with me. We'd have gone into the house and you'd have done it. But listen, there is something about this that God orchestrates it to allow the family to believe. Trust him with everything. Psalm 33 verse 18 says, The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. If I can have the team back, the worship team. Jesus is ready to visit a church that is honoring him, humble before him. Catches his attention. But also, one whose hope is in him above everything else. Everything else. Everything else. He won't put you to shame. He won't put you to shame. When you put your hope in him, he won't put you to shame. Micah 6 verse 8 says this. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Some of us need to come humbly again before him today. Come on, let's just stand. As the worship just plays. You know, I don't believe we're, we're hitting what God wants to do yet here. Because God likes to prepare the hearts. He likes to get people with a zeal and a passion for him. And he prepares us ready for what he's about to do. Amen. He's not after the multitudes. He's after their attitudes. He's after how we are in our life. You see, if your heart's changed really change, then your life, your character will begin to change. And we should be a church that are devoted to one another in love and honor. Do you know it's important to not just honor God, but honor each other, isn't it? We've got to learn to do that more. Honoring each other. Honoring each other. Blessing each other. If you read Acts 2, they were devoted to each other. They were blessing each other. You know, I was the same conference that I was at when I was given the secret passcode and I met all these people in there and they, you know, these, these keynote speakers and they're all in there eating the peanuts I, eat, I ate more nuts than they did I cleared them out before they arrived I just checked in that they were okay you know but I had fun in there and I saw all these people more important I could have said and as one of them was walking out of the room and he went past me. I just said to him, hey, mate, what time is it? One of the speakers. I said, what, what time is it? And he, he looked at his watch. And as he looked at his watch, I, I noticed this watch he got on. And I thought, that's nice. I goes, that's a nice watch. Before he told me the time, he took his watch off and gave it to me. That's what you get when you get a secret passcode. Now, you know what you need to do now? Just wander around today and just say to someone, that's a nice watch. He gave me his watch. I, I said to him, no, I don't need the watch. I've got a watch. He said, I don't care. He 
said, as soon as you said that, I told, he said, I give things away. I said, give things away? Where's your house? <laughs> well, I've seen your car. He said, I give things away. He said, when I got married, he said, people used to come around to my house. They used to say, oh, I like that table. He said, take it, you can have it. He says, my mum taught me that if you've got something, give it away. Give it away. Give it away. Now, I'm not going to give you my watch. <laughs> he said it's nice. But what I want to say to you is, the same people that I was hanging around with there, I realized that they honored God. They honored me and they honored. He said, I want to bless you. I put this watch in my pocket. I went into the service. I'm, I'm worshiping God. And I'm, God, I met through the worship. I'm thinking, I, go, I want to have a look at that watch. I, God, I love you, but I also like your blessing as well. This is amazing. And I'm walking around all day. And I went up to him. I said, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to give you back. He said, don't be silly. He said, you've got to learn to receive a blessing, son. I said, no, you must have. He said, don't offend me. I'm like, okay, thanks. Fits nice. Anyway, I tried it on. But listen to me. Honoring each other means not just coming and just saying, you know, I like your hair. It's sometimes blessing people abundantly. Honor, honor, honor your father and your mother. Some of you today, you've got bad relationships with your mother and father. You've got to pick up the phone today, ring them up and just honor them, love them. Because listen, it will, the Bible says that when you honor your father and mother, it releases blessing. It releases blessing. There is favor. There is favor in honor. And I'm telling you, church, if we get to a place where we're, it says in Acts 2.42 that they were devoted to one another, gave each other what they needed. If we get into that place of recognizing need, giving things away, blessing each other, we're going to see a season of our abundance in this church. Pouring out his new wine. The enemy wants you to hold on to things. Hold on to things. You, some of you met Dwayne White who came here. I once met, I was chat, chatting to him, he said, I said, Dwayne, the first time I ever heard you preach, I said, you told me a story. You said, I had a car and the Lord told me to give it away, but it was my favorite car. And I said, I was amazed. You just said, I gave it away. He said, yeah. He said, I learned something, Phil. The moment I feel I need to keep it, I give it. The moment I think this is mine, I give it away. And he said to me, the last time he was here, he said, I'm actually looking to give away a house at the moment. I thought, tell me where you live. I'm moving to America. Look, this is extravagant. You know, we see these preachers get up. We see them speak and we're thinking, oh, you know, it's good for you. He told me that. He said, I'm looking to give away a house. I'm waiting for God to tell me who to give it to. They're seeing great blessing in their church. We want to see that too, don't we? So we've got to start getting to a place of honor, humility, love. Amen. I'm not going to call people forward today because I don't think it needs it, but I'm going to worship Jesus. Just honor him right now. Let's just lift up his name in this house. Come on, just lift up your voices, church. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.